these costs. And at the same time, <clears throat> my last message I preached was, life is but a fleeting moment, and yet it can buy you eternal joy. Let us not forget that. Our time here on earth is short. But this pandemic is very much real. Uh, rule number one, if you are told to isolate, isolate. Don't hang out and carry on as if life is normal. You are killing people. And for everybody you infect after you have been told you are positive, God will charge you for murder on the day of judgment. So do not misbehave, do not think this is a light matter. We have to be responsible people and we have to protect other people. I was telling my wife, one of the mistakes we're making is we all wear our mask and we feel fortified behind our mask. But we forget your eyes is exposed. So when you go to these public places, and I appeal to you believers, that uh, make it a point to get yourself a proper face shield so that your eyes is protected. If you go in a mall, you, if you go into a store to buy food, you are there for so long. And it's very likely that somebody in that store has COVID, sometimes without knowing. So you have to realize that this is not a time to let down our bars. Because what I have realized, so many people have survived because I think we had our lowest fatality rate during the second wave. And everybody began to think, ah, this is just like a cold. Believers, it's not a cold. I had it. And believe me, I didn't have it close to how people get it. Not once did I have breathing problems. Not once did my saturation drop, my pulse, everything was right. Uh, fortunately, Brother Malfa sent me a very interesting video on how to exercise and expand your lung capacity. And that's all I did. The rest is I was on simple antibiotics, which is not effective against the virus. The reason the doctor put you on antibiotics is simply to avoid secondary infections. That is the only reason. Antibiotics work against bacteria, not against the virus. And then they try to treat your flu-like symptoms. Mine was severe, intense fever. And uh, that's all I had. I had no headaches, no pain, but you are as sick as a dog. And uh, I didn't eat much, but fortunately my latest diet included a smoothie and it has helped me. But there is a clip I shared that I got from Brother Nemi on a doctor, uh, Dr. Chetty in Port Edward. Believe me, take, take that serious. Share it with anybody that gets it. I've always maintained this virus is more about the body's reaction than the virus attack. And, 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 and that has been proven by that doctor and I've seen it with Sedina. She was not sick at all. Uh, 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 she just had something in her throat that was just irritating her. And uh, after Brother Nemi shared that with us, we, she went to a doctor says, can you give me this medicine? Some of it I already had. So in fact, I gave her 
the uh, medicine the doctor had given me with an allergic and one dose in 15, 20 minutes, her throat was cleared. And she's never had a problem anymore. So this thing of the anti-allergens is very much something to pay attention to. It's not the only thing you must at all times be in contact with your doctor. So please pray for us. Continue to pray for those who are still battling the virus, like Brother Jaffer, Sister Sylvia, and the many other believers. I know I heard Pastor Gilbert was also tested positive and uh, so there's just this thing has just hit many people uh, my dear friend Fredericks Pastor Ivan Fredericks is still fighting for his life uh, remember him in prayer <clears throat> this virus is killing so many people in their 50s early 60s which means at the rate that it is, is killing people there won't be old people, matured people for the next generation to come. When, once you reach your 50s, you are in the prime of your life. You have all the experience and wisdom that you must transfer to the next generation. And this virus is taking many leaders. I don't know how many pastors have died recently in that category. So this is an onslaught of Satan. I said to Brother Les that we are covenant people and maybe it's time we do reason like David, but uh, that man is not circumcised, but I am. This may be applicable to the whole world the way it applies, but we're supposed to be covenant people. So on behalf of Stadina, myself and the Antony family, thank you for your prayers. I have noted many of y'all has already realized you need to simply pay your tithes in via electronic media in the bank. For those who has applied that wisdom, we say thank you for it. God continue to bless you. The church will remain closed until I feel that the numbers is sufficiently low. Even if the president says tomorrow we can open, we will remain closed because this is crazy numbers. And what you see in Gauteng yesterday, day before 16,000, 14,000, yesterday over 16,000 just for Gauteng. We are breaking record numbers. And uh, it simply tells us that uh, we are not adhering to the rules. We are not listening to what we've been requested to do. We live in Gauteng. Folks, let's take responsibility. And those outside Houting do not take it lightly. Every province's numbers is increasing. Cape Town has just almost reached 3,000 yesterday. So we need to apply our hearts to wisdom. Thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray for the rest of the believers. And uh, I trust we will get through this one too. God bless you. Thanks, Brother John. Amen. 
Bless the Lord. Amen. Indeed, the day of redemption is near. Praise God. Let us pray this morning. Father, it is in the name of Jesus Christ, thy Son, that we approach thy divine throne of grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you have once again caused your face to shine upon us. Lord, we find ourselves here this morning in the house of God, and we are in the presence of a living God this morning. Lord, we are surrounded by death and calamity and fear. Oh, but God, we look to thee. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. With the righteous, those that have been made righteous by the death and resurrection of Christ, can run into and they find shelter, they find safety. O oh Lord my God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, Lord. You have set your glory above the heavens. And this morning, Father, we turn aside to say, What is man that you are mindful of him, Lord? Or the son of man that you should visit him? Nonetheless, Lord, you have done that and you have crowned us with glory. You've crowned us with your loving kindness. And for this, we give you thanks, Lord. We right-size you. We acknowledge you, O God, as the living God, the only wise and true God. Thank you, Father, for the salvation of our souls. Almighty God, this morning, we are in the world, though we are not of the world, God. And we are exposed to the same trouble, Heavenly Father, that everyone else is. But, oh God, as our apostle just said, Father, we are a covenant people. And we thank you that we have a precious hiding place in Jesus' side. This morning, we want to pray for the Ramazan family again, Lord. We ask that you would be their comforter in this time of bereavement, God. It is a time when the words of mortals, Lord God, reflect in its most true state. How empty and bare it is. But one word from you, God, can make the difference. Therefore, we pray that you would be with them. Do not leave them comfortless is our prayer. We are reminded, Lord, of our brothers and sisters that you have kept, Lord Jesus. Lord, starting from the Antony family, Lord, we think of Brother Shelton. We think of the Noah family, Lord. We thank you that you've kept all these, your people. And we pray that you would continue to do that this morning, for we have no alternative, neither are we interested in an alternative. For now, Lord, we turn to thy word, which is light, Lord Jesus. I pray may you enlighten our understanding. Mighty God, we deny all flesh. And henceforth do we know no man after the flesh, Father. We say we seek to know Jesus Christ and him crucified, Lord Jesus, resurrected, from the dead. I pray may you release quickening power this morning. May you release, Lord God, revelation and speak clearly now to your people, Father. In Jesus' name, give us direction as we are subject to your leadership this morning. I commit myself to you. Lord, these thoughts are yours. This mind is yours. This body is yours. I present myself again a living sacrifice to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, let the meditation of my heart, Lord, and the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight as I share your word, Heavenly Father, as you have impressed it upon my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the name of the Lord, saints. 
Yes, he's worthy of praise and glory and honor. Greetings this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. It is certainly good to be in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6. Amen. And Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. I greet you all in the blessed name of our Lord. Amen. Who had wrought our redemption this morning and to whom we are eternally grateful for his love wherewith he hath loved us. Brother Tanzel, can you just drop the main a little bit there, the red one? Amen. We had to lift it for the apostle. We thank God for his grace this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. So Romans chapter 6, we'll read from verse 3. This is what the word of the Lord says. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Amen. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye yourselves members, or rather as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive, amen, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Praise the Lord. Let's read up to verse 19. Know ye not that to, to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. 
Praise God. That's a mouthful. Amen. You may be seated here in the sanctuary. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's just quickly turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. From verse 18 up to and including verse 23. This is what the word of God says. For I, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's very important. It's going to be revealed in us. Amen. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But the Les made reference to this scripture. And when I read it, I just had a bit of a jubilee there. Verse 22, Romans 8. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Praise God. That's what we are looking forward to this morning. The redemption of our body, the day of redemption is near. We are living, amen, not in the last days. I am persuaded that we are living in the last hours, in the last seconds of humanity. In the days of Brother Branham already, it was said that it's three minutes to midnight according to the watch of science. Where are we now? Amen. So praise God. May God release into our spirits this morning a spirit of travail. May God release into our spirits this morning a spirit of desperation. As we see the day approaching this morning, we, we cannot be making plans to continue on living like this for years to come. Amen. We have to have a spirit of travail released in us this morning. Amen. This isn't our home. We don't belong here. Praise God. The prophet says that we need to cry. He says the problem with many of us is that we have not enough travail in us. He says travel. We have not enough travel or travail in us to connect with our maker. And this morning, may that be the ultimate aim of our heart. The desire of our heart is to make the connection with our maker. Because at a time like this, amen, we need something more than people who are probing away at formulas, amen, and laws they are still trying to understand. We need a sure and firm foundation, and we thank God that in Him, that is what we have this morning, amen. So praise God, uh, in Pretoria, we've had a wonderful time, I'm sure, amen, you were logged in on the Zoom as well, but the Les just, I think that was just a masterpiece it was a word in season, amen. It was desperately necessary, I think. And I thank God that he is aware of all that his children need this morning, amen. So God bless you, Brother Lairs, amen. As, as Pastor Luck now said, amen. You see, one of the elements, amen, that Brutich and myself discussed on that very same Sunday last week is once David slew Goliath, that gave the rest of Israel courage to carry on. 
Amen. And that's what it's about. We are here to edify one another. The Bible says in Hebrews to provoke one another to good works. So, amen. We thank God for what Brother Les spoke on last week. What a wonderful masterpiece. I am encouraged in my spirit this morning. Amen. And uh, I feel like we can carry on. You see, some of us don't have the privilege of working from home. So that we need that this morning. We need to be reminded, listen, you are a covenant child. Amen. God will not take you unless he is done with you. You have purpose to fulfill. Amen. You cannot just leave. Amen. Praise God. So hallelujah. This morning, I greet you in Jesus' name and thank the Lord for the platform. This is my greatest joy is to be a representative of Jesus Christ. There is no higher honor for me in my life. Amen. So we thank God. I want to speak for a minute or two about birth by death. Birth by death. That's our title this morning. And we pray that the Lord would give us, amen, some inspiration from there to keep going as we are living by the law of life in Christ Jesus. That had made us free from sin. Amen. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that we have been planted into death with Christ. You know, we've not been sprinkled. We haven't been wet. We, we have been planted into death. That's why, amen, that even shows you that there is no gospel such as sprinkling baptism. It is an immersing because you have to be planted you can't plant something and then some of it still sticks out. You have to be planted. Amen. Completely immersed. We are planted in the likeness of the death of Jesus Christ. He went into death. He went into Hades. He was planted into death. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, we have been planted by baptism with Christ into death. Praise God. And this is especially important because we are looking for birth by death. That basically consummizes the message. It's very simple this morning. Amen. In this instance, our, our aim and our focus is on willful and deliberate death this morning. We, 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 are, looking, we are looking for what, what, I, what, I, what I've called voluntary death uh, not accidental not circumstantial voluntary jesus starts the principle of voluntary death in saint john chapter 12 i think it's around verse 24 where he says except a corn of wheat falls into the ground is planted into the ground and abide and die and rots it abides alone Amen. So that speaks of the voluntary death. You hear Jesus say, no man take my life from me. You can't take my life from me. This is not an involuntary death. It is a voluntary death. He says, save me from this hour. But for this hour came I to the world. It is a voluntary death this morning. Jesus starts that principle. He further accentuates it. He says, Father, into thy, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I am dying voluntarily. Amen. When he stood in that courtyard, Pilate challenging him, he says, don't you know? You don't really have power, but what is given to you. 
I can call for a legion of angels and we can change the scene. But I volunteer to death. Because there's a birth that must take place after my death. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it abides alone. Praise God. He starts that principle. Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians 15. In the same spirit of Christ, hallelujah. He says, I die daily. It's a voluntary death. It's a decision that you make. You choose death. <laughs> Amen. I know when God spoke to Israel, he says, choose life. This morning I am appealing to you, choose death to be born. Not death to die. What God was warning Israel against was a death unto death. But I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to you this morning with the message that, that I have is die a voluntary death to get to life. Amen. This is the basics. It's the simples of our faith. Brother Branham, uh, I'm sorry, I, I went ahead of it, but it's fine. You get the point. Praise God. Paul taps into the same spirit of Jesus Christ. Brother Branham, as the Omega prophet, comes and he taps into the same spirit. And he says these words, man lived by dead substance. Something has to die for something to live. This is why I'm speaking about a voluntary death. We are speaking of birth by death. Praise God. Martin Luther King Jr. says, hallelujah. He says, if a man has not discovered something he'll die for, he is not fit to live. Oh, saints of God, what are you willing to die for this morning? Birth by death. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, after the fall in Genesis 3, Death has become a prerequisite for life. It wasn't always like that. But once Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden from perfection, once they fell from that perfect state, the epitome of perfection, praise God, once they fell from there, Death became a prerequisite unto life. You hear Jesus tapping into that in Matthew 16. He says, he says, he says, for whosoever shall find his life. Amen. Then the Amplified Bible gives me some context to that. It says, it says, whosoever shall, shall, he says, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. And whoever is bent on saving his life. <laughs> is determined to save his life the comfort and security that we deem life you remember the Branham goes past that roadhouse people drinking women drinking smoking and then somebody says whoopee this is life but the Branham says i thought that is not life amen we are that is what we perceive to be life but this is not even worth a sh it's not even worthy to be called a shadow of life unless you come to christ then you are reminded of what it was like from the beginning. Praise God. So, so he says, whosoever is bent on saving his life, his comfort and security shall lose it. Then the Amplified in, 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 in brackets says eternal life. If you are bent on fighting to retain your natural life, uh, you will lose your eternal life. 
Can you see why we need to die to be born? Praise be to God. So, so, so this is what we are dealing with this morning. We are not dealing with getting to the cross. That is the fundamental principles, Hebrews 6. We're not talking about getting to the cross. This is what is a problem with our generation of believers. We speak of nobody can judge me. How wicked must you be to say that? Anyway, we, 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 we speak not of getting to the cross. We speak of getting on to the cross because we have been planted into death with the lord jesus christ it is not enough to get to the cross you have to at some point get on to the cross because you are planted in the likeness of the death of christ amen so this is how we yield to the righteousness of god we have to yield to righteousness. We have to yield to holiness. Because everything natural is against righteousness. It's against holiness. It is natural for a man to lust after a beautiful woman. But Jesus comes and he says you have to be born again. Why? You have to die to your old self. Then once you are born again, you understand the concept of looking upon a woman is lusting after her. You see, you have been lifted from one shadow of life into real life. Praise God. But you have to be yielded. Praise God. That is Romans 6, 11, 13. All right, 11 to 13. Let me read it quickly to remind you. Romans 11, or rather 6, verse 11. Praise God. That's what he says. Likewise, Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourself to be dead to that, right? Praise God. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's okay for it to reign in somebody else's, but not yours. You've been planted into the death of Christ. Amen. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Praise God that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither, here it is, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Don't yield to unrighteousness unto sin. Amen. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from where? From the dead. Alive from the dead. Hallelujah. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. This is how we beat the law of sin. You see that? Getting into the law of life in Christ Jesus, this is what precedes it. Man live by dead substance. You see that? You have to die to yourselves. We have to die to ourselves before we can get to yielding our members unto righteousness. Praise God. You see, this is how we conquer the law of sin and death is when self is conquered. The law of sin and death is conquered when self is conquered. And, and I don't want to lie to you, it is not easy. That's why the word uses battle language. Amen. I remember some time ago we spoke in this, in this sanctuary and we spoke on the battle language that God uses. The warfare language that God uses. Here it is again. Speaking of conquering, you cannot conquer without a fight. 
That's what's happening here, right? So we have to conquer ourselves before we can defeat the law of sin and death. But the list told you, you cannot, we cannot beat sin. Amen? We cannot because sin is a law. Praise God. So this is how we beat them. It is difficult for a man who is alive to yield. It is difficult. I'll use a very simple example this morning. I, I, I taught um, guitar some time ago. And one of the things that I do when I teach you, I, I'll, form the, I'll help you form the chord as we look at it. And maybe because your fingers are not exercised to, 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 to do it, mine has already got muscle memory. So I know more or less, my fingers know by themselves almost what to do. All right? So what we would do when we teach you is we would actually move your finger to the way it should be. Is that right, Brother Tommy? We have to move your finger to the way it should be. And then what happens to you is involuntarily, there's another finger that comes up. Because you're alive, you, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's your default. Mm. It's not your fault, it's your default. Because you're alive, anything that seems to be out of the action wants to get into the action. All right? That is, it's difficult for a live human being to yield. All right, it is difficult. It is expecting this flesh, this body, my anatomy to take on the form of water. I can't. You understand? It's, it's just it's quite impossible. All right, this is how difficult it is to yield to God or the Spirit when you're alive. We can only yield if we are dead. Birth by death. You see, I'm reminded, I'm sorry, allow me to share this testimony. I remember that night by the times when my father died. You see, we, we, we picked him up off the bed. All right. <laughs> and how I moved is how his body moved. I was so, I was in so much shock. Amen. Praise God. Brother Tanzo, Brother Sam were there with me. So me, I'm carrying my father. Brother Tanzo took him from me. I don't even know at what point that happened. <laughs> so the, the problem, the point is this. Brother Isaac couldn't do anything but what those who were carrying him were doing. He knew that he had to get to the hospital. It was a matter of life and death. But he couldn't get himself into Brother Sam's car. Somebody had to carry him. And he couldn't now want to play alive and say, no, 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 it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. He had to submit. He had to yield to who was carrying him. You see that? So we cannot yield when we are alive. This is why it is important for a corn of wheat to fall into the ground and die. Otherwise, we'll always have that problem with sin. God has given us a way of escape. This is it. Before we can operate by the law of life in the spirit, we must first die. Praise God. You understand that? That's what links us back to verse 4 here. He says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We need to walk in newness of life. And that's why we read Romans chapter 8. For the whole creation travaileth. 
They are under expectation to see the manifestation of the sons of God. Branham says everything in the galaxy obeys God. It, it just seems to be men that don't want to. Nature knows it wasn't like this from the beginning. That's why we spoke on the last. Praise God, the prophet of God to this day says, if you have enough of God inside of you, you will see him outside. Praise God. Then he was in the woods, looking at the woods, marveling at the, at the, at the supreme and splendid architecture at the fingers of God, uh, he looked at it, it left him no choice but to break out into a praise. You see that? Why? He's seen God in his universe. But there was enough of God inside of him. Somebody else looks at the universe, they see a beautiful picture. Somebody else looks at the universe, they see furniture. They cut the trees down to make you understand? To, this is what's happening. Brother Branham having God inside of him sees God in nature. Hallelujah. Nature is looking for the manifestation. And this is the point. My, sub, my subheading, I did not know really what to title this. I wanted to entitle it, The Reason We Groan. The Reason We Groan. The Reason Nature Groans. Why are we groaning? All right. And then so, so eventually we, yeah, I believe this is what it should be. Death by birth. But nature is looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. And every redeemed son of God, remember your redemption don't take place the day you come to the altar. What happens is, oh my, the thought of Elohim becomes expressed when you hear the word calling out your name. Hey, you hear your name being called, then that's a deep calling. When you come to the altar, that's a deep responding. That deep wasn't created there. It was already there. So God, by representation, sends a minister, anoints him with the Holy Spirit, links him to the mind of Elohim, calls back the attribute, says, come to the altar. This is where you belong. Why? You have to be born because the whole nature is in groaning for the manifestation of sons. Hallelujah. But before manifestation, there must be birth. And before birth, there must be death. Amen. That's the process, Brother Zan. Before manifestation, there must be birth. And before birth, there must be death. This is how we practically break down the process of getting to manifested sons. Praise God. This is how we practically break it down. Amen. Before manifestation, birth. What is that birth? It's the new birth. You must be born again. Praise God. It behooves us to seek and search for the Holy Spirit baptism. Because if we don't get to birth, there will never be a manifestation. But the word of God has already said that there would be a manifestation. There must be a manifestation.
So the problem comes in the supply chain of eternity. The problem comes with man because our part is getting stuck in the supply chain. You see that? This is the reason for this message. We have to earnestly desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Branham says there is no other form of security and assurance of salvation but the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit brings assurance of salvation. The Holy Spirit is not just for a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not just for a sensation. The Holy Spirit is not just for speaking in tongues. It is to bring assurance of salvation. He says the Holy Spirit, and what is the Holy Spirit given for? Is a seal. Then you hear Paul say, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. That's why you cannot die a premature death. Are you hearing me? You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are that package that had been predestined. Before you left, you were, your destiny had been determined. Those he had foreknown. Before that box is dispatched, there's an address on there. The address for you and I was to be saints in Laodicea. But it is virtually impossible. Because even the church tells God, we don't really need you. It is almost impossible in this day to be a Christian, man. But God had foreknown some. He had predestinated some. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's why Jesus was sown as a seed. To be the firstborn among many brethren. And then God picks that up. Brings it back in this age of Laodicea. Amen. Anoints another man with that. Born of sexual desire. But God proves that his word cannot fall to the ground. My God. We are buried with Christ by baptism into death. Praise God. Once we are dead and we live by the life of Christ, we can now yield to the Spirit. Then now, this is where Brother Branham says the dove adds to itself. Then now you are no longer subject to, to what is natural in dimension three. Then you operate by a higher dimension, a higher law, and you can't make that law run. Oh. Understanding it is submitting to it. Then it runs on its own. The dove adds to himself. Amen. So once we are dead and we live by the life of Christ, we can yield to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just put this in there quickly. God will never elevate you to settle scores with people. I've picked this up um, among my friends in the charismatic walk and they say, God will pick you up and Allah sin. 
God never elevates a child of his to settle a score with somebody else. We are walking a road of predestination here. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. again, sorry that I quote him. He says, hate is too inferior a weapon for me to use to conquer my enemy. So I choose love. <laughs> Amen. We choose love. And what is it? It is the ability to die for somebody. Death. Birth by death this morning. Once we are yielding to the spirit, we automatically yield to righteousness. That's when nobody has to tell you why you need to wear a long dress. That's when nobody has to tell you why you don't wear shorts. Because you are yielding your members unto righteousness. The spirit itself bears record with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And sons of God behave like God. They think like God. They talk like God. They deal like God. They handle like God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And light and darkness cannot coexist. Therefore, sin will not have dominion over you. Once we are in Christ, once we are baptized into the death of Christ, we are not raised with our own life. Paul says, thou fool, that which you have sown doesn't come up the way it was sown. So if we are planted, if we are sown, we come up with the life of Christ. We come up with the nature of Christ. Amen. That's what happens there. God has a tendency of showing up when we are down and out. Excuse me. God shows up when we are down and out. Brother Tanzel, that's why the first song you sang, I rejoiced. I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from the peaceful shore. I was heavily and deeply stained within. There was no chance for me to rise again. Songwriter says, God bless you, sir. Thank you. But the master of the sea, hey, he heard my despairing cry. Then he lifted me out of the waters of sin, and I'm safe now. You see that? God has a tendency of showing up when you are down and out. That's why we don't come back with our own life. When we die, we have no power over our bodies anymore. Hey, are you hearing me? When we die, we cannot control movement. It comes back to the point I was making earlier on about carrying a corpse. He can't say, fix my arm first. He's dead. However you move him is how he'll move. My. So God... When we are down and out, when we are dead, God is the only one that can bring us back. You see that? A defibrillator cannot bring you back. Why are other people dead after being defibrillated back to life? Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But God, there's no sometimes. God owns life. God is life. God gives life. God decides on life. So when you are dead and you are down to nothing, God is up to something. He has a tendency of showing up when it seems impossible, when it seems dark. Hallelujah. This amen reminds me of what the Branham says, and I love the way he says this. Then Jesus came. 
<laughs> when it all was dark, there was no hope at all. Then Jesus came. When mankind was so deep in sin, amen, when that cup of sin, hallelujah, was brewing so much until it overflowed, hallelujah, there was an overflow of sin. Nobody could help one another. No man could teach his neighbor. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. And when he comes, the tempter's power is broken. Hmm. When he comes, the tempter's power is broken. I love that scripture. For the works of God have been made manifest to destroy the works of Satan. That's what we're about this morning. Excuse me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus comes when it's hopeless. God does his best work when the skin is off. Man, I, I rejoice at that. I'll tell you now. Just park that sentence. God does his best work when the skin is off. My God. I remember the prodigal son. <clears throat> Excuse me. That boy had so much life. That he was the life of every party at some point. You remember that? He had all the friends in the world. There was no party if he wasn't there. He's the life of the party. He's the transport. He's the money. He's the nice time. So much life in him. Huh? But it was the wrong life. He was fast approaching death. You see, he, what he said, whoopee, this is life. Then he became uncovered at some point. Oh, when the money was finished, he was being uncovered. The skin was being taken off. Are you understanding that? God does his best work when the skin is off. God cannot work while the skin is there. All right? You understanding that? It's the flesh. God does his best work when the skin is off. That boy used to be the life of the party. He finds himself in a place lower than the servants in his father's house. Because God began to deal with him. The Bible says he came to himself. What is that? It's a realization. He was reminded of the attribute that he is. What does he say? Not I'll go home. I'll go to my father's house. He knows where he comes from. He knows where he can go back to. Jesus says, I come from God. I go back to God. That prodigal son came to himself. He's in that pigsty. And we call it reality. Reality hits him. He realizes that servants have a better quality, a better nutrition of the meals that they get in their house as servants. He's a son. What's happening to him? This is the second touch. You remember the man that Jesus touched his eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your face. 
after the first touch, he looked. He said, what do you see? I see men as trees. Then he says, he touches him again. He says, go wash your face again. Then he comes back here. What do you see? I see men. God fixes the perspective. Jesus fixes the perspective after the second wash. What's happening to this boy? It's the second wash. What is that? The second birth. It's the second birth that makes him realize, I don't belong here. This is not my home. It's not pride. It's who I am. This is not my standard. I'm better off washing floors in my father's house than being out here with my perceived liberty, my independent mind. Praise God, I want to say it like this. The stench on the inside of the ark was still better than the water on the outside. All saints of God, sometimes it is not comfortable, but it's better than the outside. This boy, he was being uncovered. You see, the flesh is, the, is, is what seals your body, right? <laughs> your natural body. What's happening? What's happening? Oh my, it is a boundary, Bruzan. God bless you. God is uncovering him. Outside of the fact that we can now ask you, outside of that, the boundary is being removed. Because he's short-sighted for the immediate pleasure. That's all he sees because the flesh limits him. It's a boundary. The flesh limits him. What if, I, what if my father don't accept me? He had to come to himself. That is not an action that happens in the flesh. So what was God doing? As he uncovers the skin, he is breaking the seals. That's the breaking of the seals right there. My God. The seals are being broken. That woman at the well, St. John chapter 4, she comes there, meets the Lord Jesus Christ there. What does she have? A whole lot of covering. She's got a whole lot of skin. She's telling him, are you greater than our father Jacob that dug this well himself and drank from it? She presents her skin. She tells him, listen man, you have a superiority complex. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. What are you talking about? She's presenting skin. Jesus couldn't break through to her. Can you imagine the word speaking to you directly and he can't get through to you? What was it? It was the boundary. She looked at him. She don't see the word. She see a true. She see a potential client. That's what the flesh does. That's what the skin does. Oh, but Jesus gradually unveils it. He peels off the skin. Hallelujah. And once the skin is off, she says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She came to herself. Those words that have been preached to them. Those seeds that have been deposited. Saying when Messiah comes. He will perform the sign of the Messiah. He will look into you. See who you are. Beyond the veil. When the skin was peeled off. She came to herself. She said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Praise God. Praise God. God does his best work when the skin is off. 
this is why we don't follow a man. We don't follow Brother Branham. <laughs> we don't follow Brother Branham. No, we don't. We follow the message that he brought. You have to recognize the messenger for your day. But don't stop at the skin. Go beyond the skin. If you peel the skin off there, you find that is the mind of God made manifest in your day. It's not William Branham. It's, the, it's a son of man revealing the son of man. That's what I mean when I say we don't follow Brother Branham. You understanding that? Blessed be the name of God. For God does his best work when the skin is off. Remove the veil. Remove the boundary. This is in your power. The more you engage the word like that lady at St. John chapter 4. The more she engaged Jesus, the more the skin was being pulled back. Why? God can only work once the skin is off. Praise God. We have to remove the flesh. My God. In the Old Testament, Brother Branham says, says the beaters would beat the gold. They beat that gold until they see their own reflection in that gold. Why? They have to beat off the fool's gold. It looks like gold. It glares like gold. But you know gold don't glare. It glows. So they beat it off to get rid of the fool's gold. You see that? This is the value of trials. That's why we are in the world but not off the world. While we are in the world, those trials are important to you. They are important to me. Because every son that comes to God must be tried. I am persuaded that faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. I'm saying that based on a sermon by the Branham preach. He says, tested faith produces goods. We are in the process of heading to the manifestation of the sons of God. Part of that process is your faith has to be tried. You have to be beaten. It doesn't feel nice. It is unpleasant, but it is of, uh, it is of pivotal importance to you. It is vital to you as a son. That's what happened to that boy in that pigsty. The fool's gold was being beaten off him. You're not rich because you have money. You are rich because of your identity. Proverbs 22 says, A good name is rather to be chosen more than silver or gold. Your name is your identity. What is your identity? It's who you are. It's who you belong to. Praise God. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says that boy came to himself. So he says, I will go to my father's house. He comes to himself. So he gets to the realization of who he is. But he links it to the father's house. Identity is whose you are. We have no independent identity. There's a spirit in this age that is seeking for independent identity. We refute that. We die voluntarily. We die voluntarily. 
we lay down our lives we lay down our crowns we want to be dead to the world we want to be dead to sin because we are in the process of getting to the manifestation of sons of god operating by the higher law of life in the spirit praise god you see this principle <laughs> Is undiscovered in Ezekiel 37. My God. Here he is vulnerable. You see the principle I took from Ezekiel 37. When I said God does his best work when the skin is off. Bible readers you are with me. <laughs> Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones. The skin is off. My God, the skin is off. God is dealing with a skeleton. <laughs> and sometimes you'll get further with a skeleton than with the human being. Because the skin gets in the way. In Ezekiel 37, the skin is off. He's dealing with a skeleton. What am I saying when I say a skeleton? It means the process of death is so far advanced. There is no sign of life. Not to say there's not life. There is no sign even of life. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 37, when you go read it, he says the bones were very dry. We normally say the dry bones. The Bible says it was very dry. I believe that that is not an accident. God doesn't play with words. Because he is his word. Every word he says is a reflection of him. Is an expression of his thoughts. Is an expression of divine intent. He says the bones are very dry. To remind you, Jonathan, to remind you, Shady, to remind you, Tanswell, that there was no hope at all. God asks a prophet. We know that the prophet comes, the word comes to the prophet. God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel looks at it, man. He says, man, God, I know you are God. But this one, <laughs> I don't know. I plead the fifth, they say in America. He says, this one, I don't know. Thou knowest. That's what you are saying. And I love it. This is, oh my. This is the sign of a true prophet. You know, Brother Branham, when he preaches, says, is this the time, 1962? He says, he says, I have not tried to sell you some, something that has all the answers. You see that? He says, I have not tried to sell you the gospel in a way that I have all the answers. That's what Ezekiel is showing you here, the way of a true prophet. Sometimes they don't know. Unless God speaks, he cannot speak. But the Branham says when these people do that, they speak in the name of God and God never spoke to them. He says that, that is a terrible sin. Don't say God said it if he didn't. If it's your persuasion, say it's my persuasion. You know? So you see the way of a true prophet here. Ezekiel says, God, I know you are God. I've walked a journey with you. You've given me visions. You've given me prophetic words. But this one, I don't know. It's at the darkest hour that Jesus comes. 
God is dealing with a skeleton. The flesh has rotten away. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, die. What must happen after it dies? It must rot away. I must fruit for it. Don't be in too much of a hurry when you are going through the process of dying. Mm. Amen. Let, let death completely immerse you. That's what we said earlier on. It is a complete immersion. That's why sometimes we baptize people in this pool, brother son, and maybe the arm is out. We have to do it again because it is a complete immersal. Immersion, pardon me. Praise God. Hey. So God shows up, the skin is off there. He does his best work when the skin is off. That's the point of your trials this morning, is to get the skin off. Is to remind you that there are some things that are beyond your power. But God's okay with that because he's taking you on the journey. You are in the process of dying. You are in the process of dying from your own mind. You are in the process of dying from your own conclusion. Why? He's not going to leave you there. You're going to be raised with the life of Christ. What is the life of Christ? Christ had no amnesia about where he was from. That's why when he said, I come from God, I go back to God. It was not just a statement made out of knowledge. It was a statement made out of, I dare to say, memory and understanding. Because he didn't bypass the theophany. You remember that? He came from there straight into a body. A body has now prepared. So there was no spiritual amnesia with Jesus about who he was and where he comes from. That's why he said that. There was no flesh standing in the way of Jesus. What better way to punish your flesh than fasting? You see Jesus fasting for 40 days. That's not to prove a point to anybody. That's to shut the tempter's mouth. Because your body, remember nutrition is a need. It's a need. It's not to say it's a want, it's a need. So Jesus shows you what true fasting is about. It's about the submission to a process that is higher than you. Hmm. You see that? Jesus, and I, I said it the last time, I want to say it again. The apostle taught me a vital, vital lesson. Amen. God bless him. He says, Jesus was never tested for hunger. He was not tested for nutrition. He was tested to see if he would misuse the power. Why would you struggle when you are hungry? So the devil comes, he says, man, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God. So sometimes we engage the devil because we don't remember who we are. Are you hearing me, child of God? Now you want to come, now you want to fight the devil on something you don't clearly remember. Mm. That's Eve's mistake. <laughs> Maybe she didn't hear properly what Adam said. And the problem is she can't recollect what he said because she can't remember now. You see that memory loss? That's when they now became, they now came in a twist in the word of God. Then the word of God was misconstrued. It was misplaced and it brought death and not the death we want. That was involuntary death. And what we are looking for is voluntary death. <laughs> you see that? So this is what happened there. 
But God did it like that to show that man's power is limited. Man's power is restricted. Your flesh is a boundary. Your flesh is a restriction. It's a cutoff. Amen. But the Branham, when he does the series of Patmos vision, he says, before you get anywhere with God, you have to first get into the spirit. You'll never get revelation unless you get into the spirit. You'll never be reminded of who you are unless you get into the spirit. And what is required to get into life? Death. Man, you see, he, he, he comes there and the process of death is so far advanced. Ezekiel 37. God says, Ezekiel. Speak to them. He says, then I, he says, I, my goodness. He says, I will call for the winds. I will call for the sinews. The body itself couldn't do anything. Unless, you remember, when you are dead, you can't move unless somebody moves you. That body finds itself there dry, very dry. Amen. And then God says, I will call for the winds. The winds is the nostrils. It comes in. It's the breath of life. That's what happens there. Yeah, praise God. But the Bible says, then there was a shaking. <laughs> he prophesies, Ezekiel prophesies, then there's a shaking. There's a rumbling and the bones come together. Amen. And this is what I believe is fixing to happen. Amen. But the Owen Baum said at my wedding, man, we were, uh, I was putting Shady's ring into a finger and uh, I was shaking. And uh, he says, uh, what happened, Jonathan? You're nervous? I said, no, I'm shaking, Pastor. He says, yeah, that's right. We'll shake, shake, shake till the grave come open. That's what's happening there. Shake till the grave come open. That's what is required for the shake. <laughs> this is what's required. Hear the word of the Lord. The first thing Ezekiel says to the bones, he says, Ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Then the shaking comes. Amen. I believe the church of the living God is moving into a sphere now that's going to shake the whole world. That's the first time it's been since the days of Jesus of Nazareth to a human being. Ask anything that you will, and it shall be given unto you. Anything you desire. Don't you see the words of Jesus Christ being fulfilled? Oh, it's going to come to pass pretty soon. I'm looking for it to happen in this meeting. Amen. Somebody say, I'm looking for it to happen in this meeting. Amen. We don't, we don't postpone the move of God. If God is ready, ah, sorry, Lord. No, 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 rephrase. If we are ready, God's been ready. <laughs> Brother Benham says, God is more willing to save you than you are to get saved. God is more willing to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit than you desire it. If we can get ready, then there can be a seeking. Like there never has been before. Don't you see the words of Jesus Christ being fulfilled? I'm wanting it to happen now. That that anointing will strike the whole church of the living God. And she'll rise to her feet like a mighty marching army. The sick will be healed by her word. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. 
the dead will be raised up and the power of God will shake the world with the church of the living God. The power of God don't shake the world. The power of God shake the world by the loving church. Hallelujah. Praise God. By the church of the living God. We are in the process of it now. Oh my. Don't you just love how God can confirm his word? We are in the process of it now. Praise God. Let's move to a close. I believe it's soon coming to pass. I believe it will be just exactly that way. I believe it's going to strike the church of God soon. And it's going to start a revival that will shake the whole world. I believe it. Believe us now this. Believe us now this this morning. You see, this is the church, Ezekiel 37, some scholars say. She was dead in sin, dead in trespasses, no hope at all. Then God sends in the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He launches the church. Hallelujah. Then she raises up as an invincible army. Once she was lost, but now she's found. Once she was dead, but she was planted into the death of Christ, resurrected in the life of Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What precedes this beautiful sight is the unattractive process of death. What precedes the beautiful sight of the church becoming an invincible army is the unattractive process of death. When people die, it's an ugly thing. That this morsa sometimes, it's not just sad, it's not just traumatic, sometimes it is just downright ugly. And maybe that's where you find yourself, in an ugly situation. But we are in the process of you rising to be part of that invincible army now. We are in the process of death down to the bone, I'd like to say. Down to the bone, stripped of every, every resemblance of flesh. Because we want to live life according to the spirit. We want to walk and march according to the dictates of the desire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's our desire. We dare not trust in, in, in flesh. We dare not put our confidence in the flesh, saints of God. The flesh is too weak. The flesh is too unreliable. It cannot compete against the laws that we are dealing with. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness. That's our fight. You can't take it in the flesh. We cannot, we dare not put trust in, in flesh, saints of God. Brother Branham says, God has always looked for somebody that he can get completely under his control. Hey, are you hearing that? God's always been looking for somebody that he can get completely under his control. Oh my, where God says turn left, you turn left. 
When God says run through there, you don't say there's a wall. You run. God has always wanted somebody that will be completely under his control. Why? Because God can do more with a man that is completely surrendered to him in five minutes than he could with a man out of his will in 50 years. Did you get that, saints? He can do more with a man that is completely surrendered to his will in five minutes than he could with another man who's been in ministry for 50 years outside of the will of God. Then you hear Brother Branham say, this is what we're talking about, living by the law of the Spirit. He says, he says, Mama, in her position, can do more sometimes than some of these preachers behind the pulpit. Come on. What is it? We are looking for a birth by death. We've got to die to the dictates of the society. They are taking their stand. Take yours this morning, child of God. They are not ashamed for what they believe in. They stand there boldly. They march. They fight. They have days that are named in their honor. Take your stand, child of God. This is that time. We are in the process of death. Death to flesh. Death to self. Hallelujah. Because a man that is completely under the control of God. Hallelujah. Once you are there, now God can release quickening power. A fully surrendered life to the word of God entitles you to the token. Entitles you to the Holy Spirit this morning. Get yourself under the hand of God. The Bible says it like this. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. When God lifts you up, I told you, it's not to settle scores with enemies. It is to place you as a son. Glory. It is to place you as a son. Oh my God, we are under your control this morning. You see, Romans 8 verse 18 says, as, 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 as I close, says, hallelujah, for I reckon the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Listen, where is that glory now? He says it shall be revealed in us. What is happening is that glory is laying dormant somewhere. And you need to get into the right atmosphere. Hallelujah. Get with the mate. Praise God. For that seed to be quickened. For if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Let not sin therefore have dominion over you. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. If the spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. Glory to God. 
Listen to me, saints of the living God. That glory is inside of you. Don't look for it somebody somewhere else. It's not in a holy man somewhere. It's not in a clergy somewhere. It is not, hallelujah, in the Sanhedrin Council or the doctors of divinity. That glory is in every child of God. And unless we provoke that, unless we awake that, nature is groaning. Look at how she's rising up. Tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions. That's what's happening. Nature is groaning. And every true believer in their house crying, How long, Lord? How long, Lord? We don't have time for these other things. Our faith looks up to Calvary. Oh, hallelujah. We are waiting to what the redemption of the sons of God. So here we are saying, God, we are dying. It is a willful, a deliberate, a voluntary death. We will not refuse the gold beater. When he starts to beat, hallelujah, gold is the character of Christ. It's the deity of God. That gold is in every believer. Praise God, that's why you have trials. That's why life is not easy for you. Because the gold beater is beating off the gold of the fool. Hallelujah. So that we get to the genuine gold. The real life of Christ. Hallelujah. Where are the sons of God now? They are right now walking the face of the earth. Some of them listening to the sermon. Some of them have been sick. The sons of God are on the earth. But they are a paradox. They are a mystery right now. Because God is about to reveal it. What it requires from us is to die of ourselves. Find ourselves in the presence of the Son. Lay there. Ripen there. Let Him form you. Let Him mold you. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's unpleasant. But stay there. The sons of God are being shielded. They are being blocked by flesh. And sometimes not our own flesh. It is the flesh of those who claim to be sons. But there's no manifestation of sons. There is a waiting in anticipation for the manifestation of sons. Too many people have called themselves prophets, but some usher wrote down the address of the person they are calling out. So nature is groaning for the real ones. Seed of Abraham, receive your last sign. With his back turned to the audience, your name is Zan van Vaker. This is where you stay. That was the messianic sign. He says, this one, there will be no impersonation. Why? At another place with the son, he says, not everybody is Moses. Nathan and Korah challenged Moses. Does God only speak to you? Then Moses said, let's go to the mountain. Not everybody is Moses. Praise God. 
What was Moses? He was a son of God. He was an example to Israel. This is what God can do to a man that surrenders his life to me. This is what I can do with that man. I can part seas. I can fetch you water from a rock. Somebody that is surrendered to me. Why? Moses too was alive. And then he killed somebody with the flesh. Then for 40 years, God starts to peel off the skin of Moses. He peels off the title of Prince of Egypt. He peels off this, he peels off the skin of I'll kill an Egyptian. I don't play like that. God de-educates him. He's busy doing his best work. My God. Moses is an example. Those sons are a mystery right now. They are hidden in Christ. Hallelujah. But a day is coming. It's fast approaching. I believe we are in that day right now. Where sons of God will rise up. And stand in the power of God. Be a witness of the power of God to save. To change. To heal. To deliver. And to set free. Oh child of God. Are you hearing this? I pray that you believe it this morning. It is nothing but the truth, O oh Lord. It behooves us to move from definition to manifestation. Can I say that again? It behooves us to move from definition and explanation to manifestation. Brother John, how do I get to manifestation? First, you die. Then you get to the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then we get to manifestation. Hallelujah. What is happening here is like we are spies on the earth. Praise God, Brother Buddha, Brother Timothy, you can come. Amen. We are spies on the earth. I am told in World War II that some of those spies walked in, the Russian spies walked in the U.S., and some of them, they took on a new identity. They, they, they seemed to be American citizens, but they were not. <laughs> what were they? They were spies. They were sons of Russia. Amen. And at any time, they can be called on. Say, Agent number 38, you are on. to the sun die to self 